trauma. Everyone has it. No one talks about it. It seems easier to stay silent, ignore it, or stuff it than it does to honor it, learn from it, and finally heal. Trauma is debilitating, yet so often we suffer in silence. Trauma is not meant to be battled alone, and we are no longer going to suffer in silence. Together, we are creating a safe place to speak, to share our stories, and grow our strength as we heal. Together, we are giving a voice to those who have been silenced, bringing darkness into light and letting God use our stories. Today, we find ourselves again. We relight our spark and let it light up the world. Stop SIS is a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating on issues of trauma and trafficking, as well as the amazing power of the healing journey. Welcome to stop sis. Hey, 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 my friends. My name is Denise Walsh and welcome back to Stop Suffering in Silence. I am here with co-host Rachel Timothy. Stop Suffering in Silence is a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating on all things trauma and trafficking, as well as the power of the healing journey. I am a clinical psychologist, and Rachel is a trafficking survivor, plus a lot more, even pickleball player, as we will, well, maybe. (laughs) Well, I'm working. We're going (laughs) to, yeah, haven't made it to the courts yet. It's raining, but maybe. (laughs) But soon, yeah. She's a mother, and uh, she's co-founder of Stop Sis as well, and we work with survivors all over the country and support them on their healing journey. And I I say that you're a pickleball player, Rachel, because just what an episode or two ago, we talked about all the things that you are outside of your trauma story, which I think is a really powerful place for survivors to get to. You know, at first we kind of purge the story, we process it. We, you know, you learn the healthy coping skills and then eventually, right. We build other pieces of who you are and pickleball is just one of them. Hey, yeah. And I just kind of threw that one in this last week. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) I actually really like pickleball because you don't have to run very much. Like it's not necessarily an endurance sport. Right. But you're moving the whole time. Yes. I'm a tad competitive. So it's, this will be interesting, especially with a new knee. Um, But I, I'm kind of excited. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, I will will say this though. I went to five below and bought my paddle and balls. And my husband said, honey, that's weak sauce. Like you need to go to an actual sporting goods store and get your paddle and ball. And like, uh, so we'll see what happens. (laughs) We actually just got a big pickleball net for our driveway. So we can. Oh, nice. So nice. Okay. Been on my mind. Uh, So if you guys have been listening to the last few episodes, you may have heard that I have started going down. First, it was a rabbit trail of like, what makes somebody psychotic? Because as a clinical psychologist, I'm so interested in why people do what they do. And so I started reading a a book about, uh, I think it's called Your Neighbor Next Door or something like that, about um, sociopaths, psychopaths, and what typically their behavior looks like um, and all that kind of stuff. And it led me down to another rabbit hole of what we would call cults. 
And cults are typically run by psychopaths. And uh, what they do is they get their hooks in unsuspecting victims who years down the road realized how gaslit and brainwashed they've been. And most of the time have done things they never would have done on their own. And so the one that we're going to talk about today, you may or may not have heard of. And so my thought is I'm going to explain it to Rachel because she has not gone down this rabbit hole with me, (laughs) nor do I want you to. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to explain it to you. And then we'll talk about the similarities and things that we've, you experienced or things within um, the stepsis girls, because a lot of, I mean, abuse is, there's a lot of similarities when we hear these stories. And the good thing, and and I'll just kind of start with the, I don't know, should I tell you the, I'm not going to tell you, never mind. Okay. I was going to tell you the end, but I'll just wait, see if it's a surprise. All right. So let's talk about Nexium. Nexium was founded, I'm looking at my notes here, at a, um, by a man named Keith Ranieri. It was founded in 1998, so 25 years ago, and was, um, was really founded as a personal development program. So Keith Ranieri and his co-founder, her name was Nancy Salzman. She was an NLP practitioner. So her story is, I, I believe she was a nurse at first, and then she became an NLP practitioner, which is like a therapist um, or a sales trainer. They really talk to you about using your words to get what you want, essentially, and how to connect with people in that way. And they founded Nexium. Nexium is a slew of personal development, um, intellectual property, what they called tech. So basically, Keith would created all of this content that the clients or students would then use. And the first, like the way that you'd get invited was like, hey, come to this personal development event. And this personal development event could be at somebody's house. It could be in a hotel room. And it was called their five day. So it was a five day event where they talked to you about your thought patterns, your limiting beliefs, your core values, and all of these things that at the beginning sound just fine. They sound helpful. They sound good. It sounds like, well, yeah, I want to get over my limiting beliefs and I want to, you know, get to my core memories and become all that I'm created to be and and that kind of thing. And so at the beginning, people did get breakthroughs. They felt release. They felt growth. And what we'll say with most cults is that there is some sort of good that happens or else nobody would show up. Like if it was immediately bad, people would run for the highway, but they got something out of it during that first five day. And so some people did that first five day and then, you know, went on their merry way. Some people were like, I'm not done yet. And they started to climb the Nexium ladder. Now, this reminds me a lot of network marketing (laughs) because half of network marketing is personal development. And then like, yes, they're, they're training their sales team. And so it's personal development and hit the next rank and go after your goals and that kind of thing. And so with Nexium, they structured it in that way, which is, again, another interesting information is he came from a network marketing background. Like he actually started a network marketing company first that ended up flopping 
And then he started Nexium. And so he knew that people needed a ladder to climb. And so they started doing what they call these sashes. So it's like around your neck and it's a sash. So instead of a lanyard, you know, through name tag or whatever that a lot of companies do, um, or a belt, or they wanted it to be easily seen by others in the room. So they had a color for student, and then you would get a couple lines. So you'd be student one, student two, student three. And this was based on how many classes you took. And then it was coach, and then it was proctor, and then it was all these other things. Another piece of interesting information is that people started getting paid bringing, well, if they brought people in. So again, it very is similar to network marketing in the sense that you get paid by bringing people into the system. And then, of uh, and again, I don't know their comp plan. I don't know how it works necessarily, but people were climbing the ladder. And so once you were in the ladder, like you, you would be invited to higher, higher levels of personal development material. And then eventually, if Keith decided that you were a chosen one, he would ask you to move to the main headquarters, which was in Albany, New York. So people would move to Albany, New York, thinking this was like the mecca of personal development. But what was happening, not only woven in throughout all of these courses, but especially enhanced when they got to Albany, was truly a breakdown of introspection and like connection with the intuition and this out. And instead of listening to your intuition, it was um, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so an example is, is if somebody had a problem or a, you know, like a get irritation or, you know, their intuition was telling them something like, hey, this isn't right, or I don't really like this or whatever, they would do what they called an EM. And an EM stands for exploration of meaning. And they would do this in public. So it was at this workshop and everybody's watching and they would basically just say, so tell me, what is it about you? Like what's going on with you that makes you feel that way? So it would, you know, the idea would be, oh, I just must have a problem with authority if he's bugging me like that. Like if he's annoying me, if this Keith guy is like triggering me a bit, I must have a problem with authority. And so anytime there was any sort of restlessness, triggering, any sort of any problem at all, really. It was never, it was always your fault. So it was always, you need to heal something, you need to do something, you need to shift something that, so then you don't feel that way anymore. Okay, but sometimes that is the case. Is it the case all the time? No. No. It's not all the time, but I mean, sometimes it is. So that's confusing. <laughs> and I think that's the thing is that yeah. instead of gaining more clarity, they were getting more confused. Yeah. They were being like, well, but I feel this way for a reason. And they're like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't feel that way for a reason. You feel that way because of your limiting beliefs and because you're stuck in your fear. Hmm. And so everything was like your limiting beliefs, you're stuck in your fear, you're making a fear-based decision right now if it went against the group in any way. So like, hey, I can't come to this meeting. Well, what's blocking you from coming to this meeting right now? What fear are you living in? 
Like, actually, it's my kid's birthday. You know what I mean? And so these people would be coerced into making decisions for the group rather than making decisions for themselves. Wow. Okay. And then another thing that I found, um, again, so they had me, they had meetings all over the like the world. They had places in Mexico, but the main headquarters was in um, um, Albany. And so when people got there to Albany, they were then if deemed righteous enough, because again, you're either righteous and in Keith's good graces, or you like you're doing all the things right, or something's wrong with you. And you need to fix it because you didn't either do the behavior I suggested and you didn't, you have a, a negative feeling. So you need to change it. Wow. And so when you get to uh, Albany, they started introducing to pe- um, people to like a woman's empowerment group is how they described it called DOS and DOS. Let's see what it stands for. It's like some, you know, acronym. Yeah, it's an acronym and it's not English. It's like flat. Oh. <laughs> and it doesn't say here. So DOS, um, let's see. Let's see if it says it. Yeah, no, it doesn't say. But either way, the people in DOS were invited to be a part of this special group that was uh, it was about personal growth. It was about discipline and it was about getting outside your comfort zone. And so they had things, um, women that they called masters and slaves. So if I enrolled you into DOS, they would say things like, if you don't text me back as your master, I mean, uh, and they're all friends. I'm yeah, like, I know it's, it's shocking. Then within two minutes, then you're in trouble. And yeah. so they would text them. And if they didn't get a text back immediately, then like the other person would get in trouble. Um, they would have them do things and they had to count calories. They had to take pictures of all their food and send it up the chain to get approved. And then they also had to do what was called collateral, which is really just. What's the word? The word is. Blackmail. So they would have pictures or videos. Um, Sometimes they would do videos of them saying really mean things about people they loved. And then they would send it up to collateral. They were told they need to do collateral once a month just to show you're loyal to the group. And then again, as things came up the chain, they would introduce body work. And that's where Keith came in. And this ended up being his uh, horum, is that the word, of girls, where he would just call them anytime he wanted. And they were, as a part of this group, required to participate and were told it was good for their personal development. It was good for their growth. You need to do things outside your comfort zone. Um, And if you feel weird about it, it's because you are living in fear and you are not growing and you, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so one of the crazy stories, I mean, there's lots of crazy stories within this cult, but one of them is, of course, he started grooming the women, um, but he also started bringing in teenagers. So 
he had 16, 17, eight-year-olds that would then come and he would say, oh, come with me. I'll mentor you, that kind of stuff. And one of the girls who lived in Albany for several years and was a part of DOS, she she was in a relationship with Keith, but it's not like they're boyfriend-girlfriend, you know what I mean? Because he has relationships with all these other people too. And she's 24, he's 40-something. And so she, I think, like likes another boy and kisses another man, you know, that kind of thing. And she tells him and he banishes her and says, you are now unworthy. How dare you? Blah, 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 blah. And he tells her to go to her room and she has to make penance. So this was another thing. If you didn't live up to your own expectation or do the thing you committed to, And I say that in quotes because like they didn't really know what they were committing to when they said yes to joining this empowerment group. Right. And then you would have to do what they called penance, which is, all right, what am I going to do make up for this? So if I went over calories, I have to do planks. Or if I didn't live up to this rule I set for myself and I need to go run three miles or I need to whatever. And so she was banned to her room and had to write Keith letters every week or however often and tell him how sorry he, she was, how, you know, and what her penance would be and all these things. And she was not allowed to leave the room until Keith told her that she she was sorry enough, right? And what I have found with all of these personal development cults and there's Scientology and there's others is that they create the problem by telling you you have all these limiting beliefs and then they're the solution, but you're never actually like better yet. <laughs> you're always, there's, I mean, obviously there's always ways we can grow and I run a personal development program, so I can tell you the way that I view things, but you're never good enough. There's always something wrong. There's always something wrong with you and you need their solution in order to fix it. This wow. girl stayed in her unlocked room for two years, two years. And it just goes to show the mental prison she was in because she didn't believe she could leave because either she would be hurt or either, or it was just like they told her she couldn't. And so she listened. Yeah. So long story short, this DOS group is going around and they end up asking one of the lower Um, like this girl, her name is Sarah. She has a podcast called A Little Bit Culty now. And she has written books and has a ton of resources for getting out of cults. But she was one of the top recruiters uh, at the lower level personal, personal development group. So she calls herself a top leader. So that again, that reminds me of the MLM structure. Mm. And she was bringing people in to the five-day and into the personal development stuff. And she did not know about what was going on in Albany because she lived in Canada. And it was just not what she was experiencing until she got asked to join DOS. So she got asked to join this elite group, this special group. She was then, and her friend was the one who asked her, her friend. And I was texting her every day saying, here's the things you need to do. And, um, here's within a few weeks of saying yes to that, they brought her to Albany 
And that is when they did this branding ceremony. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't they, know if I can hear that. Well, they frame it as a bunch of girls getting a tattoo. So she believes she's going to get a tattoo and they're all doing it together and it's super fun. And I mean, I don't know that they had fun. It was painful for them, but she didn't know what was happening. Like when she didn't know it was a symbol. And when she got home, she realized it was his initials. And again, she starts bringing up these concerns to her friend, who's now her leader. And she says, I can't believe you had me do this. Like, what are you talking about? And if, and it's, well, what, what, uh, what are you experiencing that you would disobey your own commitment? You committed to this. You said, yes, you, you know, and, and it was like, what fear are you living in right now? Needless to say, because of that experience um, and a bunch of other things, she and several of her close friends spent the next few years taking the whole thing down. And because of Keith's ego, maybe everything was recorded. So every all the personal development stuff was recorded. All the time he took girls out for walks were recorded. Um, and, and guys, I mean, he would take people for walks in the middle of the night and they'd go for a walk and they'd record their conversation because it was so profound and enlightening that they wanted to record everything. Uh, he also brought in, uh, filmmakers and actors and stuff. Cause he wanted the publicist, like he wanted like cool people to be there, kind of like Scientology did. So they knew how to do it and they, they would record everything. And so now there's, they used all of that against him Hmm. and they brought it to the police originally. And the police said, these are consenting adults. There's nothing we can do. And Sarah and her friends were like, heck no, this is not consent. This is brainwashing. These girls are not consenting to this. They're being coerced. And so Eventually, they went to the New York Times and they went to all these other news outlets and brought their information to them. And when it blew up in the news, which happened to be around the Harvey Weinstein time and the Me Too movement and all of that, they then got the attention of the attorney general. And the attorney general called them and said, "Okay, bring me everything you have. Interesting. And so they brought them everything that they had. And they indicted. Keith, Nancy, the co-founder, and then like three of the other top women who are responsible for bringing people in. Okay. I guess I had a bit of mixed feelings on that part because it's like, were they brainwashed? Like, I mean, I get it. They did wrong. So, but still. Yeah, it's a lot. lot. And I didn't quite know I was going to tell you the whole story all in one shot. But let's talk about pieces of it, because I think that what this really showed is that you can put people in jail for gaslighting, brainwashing and tricking people. Which is, yeah, I mean, if it leads to abuse, yeah, sure. and, And it is abuse. But I mean, just simply telling somebody that they're believing wrong isn't enough to put you in jail but if it leads them to doing things that 
is outside of their control and torture. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think, again, while why I'm, I don't, I need another word besides interesting or fascinating. This you, is, you do. You I do. know. We should look up synonyms for me. <laughs> what I am intrigued by <laughs> is the fact that they could take a look at the whole story and say, this is no longer a consenting adult. And so they then, so Keith went to jail for 120 years. Nancy went to jail for three years. What? She did not know that DOS was happening. Oh, legit? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She knew that he, she was um, kind of like the HR. So when people had problems, she would work with them. And she knew that Keith was kind of making waves with all these people he was making out with. But um, she didn't really know from what it sounded like in the documentary. Okay. She got three years. And then the other big girl, there's two bigger names. One is called, one is Allison Mack, who is like a child actress. And she uh, got like a ton of probation. So I think two years of in jail or something like that. Like when she finally got sentenced, all of that was backdated and she got mostly probation. So the girls got less of a punishment. He got life. Because I do think the court saw that they were also brainwashed and manipulated. Yeah. Okay. So the couple conversations I wanted to have was about the gaslighting. Because that is just as um, traumatizing, can be, as the abuse itself. Yeah. If the girl can stay in her room for two years and not leave. You just wonder the mental prison she was in. Yeah. I mean, and and as you were sharing the story, like in, in some ways there were pieces that reminded me of some of my own abuse. Um, to some degree, it reminded me of our conversation with the IBLP and how that went down and the leader of that and how he would bring certain people to his place to stay young girls and manipulate them and brainwash them as well. It's, a power thing of taking ownership of somebody's mind. I think it is a power thing. Yeah. And I think they want to figure out like what they can get away with. Yeah. Like if I, so for example, one girl was sharing, this is one of the girls that said no quickly. Um, Well, maybe not quickly, but she was the first one to defect as they call it. And you know, it's a cult you guys is if you, you can't leave, if you leave, you're shunned. That's a really great example of being in a cult because that's not a healthy relationship. (laughs) Right. And so she like defected and left, but she shared uh, in the documentary that she shared that she was on a walk with him at like three in the morning. And he said something like, go run towards that tree. And so she ran towards the tree and then stopped. So she didn't hurt herself. And then he made fun of her for like having fear or something like that. And then he said, go lick that, the water at that, you know, go lick that puddle. And she did it in these. And in my mind, I feel like he's just playing with her. Like, what Mm -hmm. else can I get her to do? Mm -hmm. 
No, all of that hits close to home. Yeah. Um, and again, it's things that you would never, ever, ever choose to do. And you, you are so broken. Yeah. And so the gaslighting is when you tear somebody down and say what you feel isn't accurate. Mm-hmm. And then the brainwashing might be when you put new beliefs in their, in their brain, you know, like you have a whole new worldview or a, what do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah. I mean, basically whenever, like, it's like how, when I wrote reflecting ownership, I felt like my coach, my thoughts be, or his thoughts became my thoughts. His desires became my desires. Not because I agreed with them, but because that meant I was pleasing him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that I think that's what brainwashing essentially is. You know, when you were talking about how um, they, I can't remember exactly what you said, but how he would twist it to where, you know, what, what is wrong with you that mm-hmm. you think this is not, or not okay. It reminded me of the first time my coach touched me and I jumped back and tears filled my eyes and I started, I, I guess I just had a shocked look on my face. And his initial reaction was, well, you know that that was an accident. Why are you acting like a baby? So like, what is causing you to react this way? Not he did anything wrong. Right. And so a very similar grooming gaslighting process. Yeah. 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 I think that, and it, you can be an adult and have that too. You think of domestic violence situations or addiction situations where it's like, why are you mad about that? Why do you really care about that? Why, Mm -hmm. you know, and minimizing somebody's emotions or feelings or thoughts or just, you know, because instead of listening. So when somebody gaslights over and over and over again, what happens to the victim? Oh, they, they lose all identity. So like then, you know, however long later, he's then taking pictures of me and I'm saying this isn't okay. And he says, but it was your idea. And so then it's like, was it? Did I start this? And then, I mean, so it just escalates. Yeah. So the gaslighting is, I think, pulling the intuition offline. Or maybe even if your intuition is still like, "Ah!" you don't trust it or not you personally, but like the girls, right? They don't, anybody doesn't trust it and doesn't listen to it anymore because now you're second guessing yourself all the time. Right. And it really reminds me of the fact that, okay, so you're saying there's this whole lower level that had no idea what was going on with the, with the few in Albany, New York. In many ways, in my situation, the coach began the grooming process with probably, I mean, I can't even tell you how many, but they didn't know to the level of what I was going through and what the level of some other people probably were going, or I know we're going through because all they saw was that bottom level. Um, You know, like I've heard a lot of comments of people saying, well, yeah, he was a bit handsy or yeah, he, you know, he said some inappropriate things or whatever, but they just didn't know what he the level he took it to and i think similar to how this guy was he picked the people 
who he could gaslight and brainwash more easily, who yeah. were more committed to keeping him pleased. And yeah. that's why my coach groomed to see who was the perfect victim for what he had planned. Yeah, I agree. And they felt special. They mm-hmm. felt picked. They felt chosen. They felt excited. And everyone else just thought he was a guru. You know, they thought he was like he um, praised himself as being like the smartest IQ and, you know, whatever. And so he had all these. In fact, the Dalai Lama came to visit this organization because of how great everybody thought he was. And so while he's hurting these few to the rest, he's this like so enlightened person who's helping all these people and all of this stuff. And so when these kind of bottom rung or these people that were on the personal development side found out at first they went through the, what the heck, this can't be true. Mm -hmm. And then they started to see everything differently. So they even saw the grooming happening in the curriculum Mm. when it was like, so what about you makes you uncomfortable with the situation? Because it's weird. (laughs) But it reminds me, remember when I did a personal development experience, uh, I had like a two or three day workshop and it was in my office and I'm here to learn because I love to take what I learn and use it with my clients. And they told me that I was not participating enough, that I was not um, like they could. And I'm just sitting here and like maybe I was working a little bit or something, but I'm just sitting anyway. And when I told them that I didn't love their approach, because what they did was they started with negative stuff and they Mm -hmm. basically had you go around the Zoom room and say what you didn't like about somebody, which we didn't know each other. We just met. And it just was really odd to me that that was the way they start, because that's just not what I do and choose to do. And so I told them, you know, I didn't love what they were doing. And I remember you said, and then they just kind of left you there. Yes. You were left feeling terrible about yourself and you felt like you had to go back in order to feel better. Yeah, that was exactly it. They stirred the whole first day. They stirred you up and told you why you were wrong, why you weren't good enough and all your blind spots and all these dark shadows that you have and all these things. But then, then what? Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I was like, really riled up about this because I'm like, you're playing with my emotions and you're, and, and I cannot even imagine playing with the emotions of the survivors that we work with. Oh my goodness. Oh, it was so rude. And, and again, I'm not here to like be an active part. I'm here to learn. I don't need to have, I don't need to raise my hand every other time. I don't need to like be the one that's talking all the time. You know, I'm, I do this work a lot. My goal was to take notes and whatever. Anyway, By the end of it, I told them I was not going to continue because when I was introduced to this event, I was not told that there was more events that you had to commit to. Mm -hmm. And then I was told, why um, don't you want to experience success in your life? And I was like, guys, (laughs) I'm so mad. (laughs) I had to really use my voice and say, I'm not coming. Please stop texting me. So after I 
And I, I even wrote my, like what I was going to say down. Cause I get nervous. And sometimes, you know, I think we all do when you're like put in a confronting situation. Yes. And so I said, no, I'm not coming. I'm already in a mastermind. I'm already doing all of these things. I came to this event to check it out, but I'm not continuing because I don't want to, nor do I need to. So mm-hmm. then it was like, well, why aren't you? Don't you want to be successful? Don't you want to overcome things? Don't you want to whatever? So I then had a call with the leader of the group afterwards. The process. They, they called you? Yeah. They set up a time to mm-hmm. talk with me because I was the only, like I was the only one that you're closing your eyes and they're like, all right, who's going to commit to coming back? And I didn't raise my hand. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> I was like one of the only ones. So they called me and the conversation ended up being, I said, you know what? This really rubbed me the wrong way. And they said, well, what other things are you missing out on because of judgments that you have? And so anyway, this reminded me a lot about, about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I have not gone back and I would never recommend anybody doing it. And when right. you look up stuff online. Okay. But I also remember you saying like, it was some of your friends, I think that were and they loved it. They said, you have to try this. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's what happened here too. They would mm-hmm. say, okay, day one's a little weird, but wait till you get to day three. Day three is where the breakthroughs come. Mm-hmm. And so they would just keep people going and and bring them into this community Wow, where the the atmosphere is you're not good enough. Any sort of um, negative emotion is bad and means that you are not enlightened or growing enough or whatever. And the ones who were the most groomable moved to Albany. Wow. You know, and it... it... Whenever you you are like for our program working with trauma survivors, they are so vulnerable at seeking help and healing and um, looking for the right direction. And it, it's, a, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. And you know, I think we both take it extremely seriously and never want to implant anything in anybody's mind that leads them anywhere except for God. I mean, I don't even want to necessarily implant that, but uh, that's yeah. well, um, and I would say part of my goal is to get their intuition back online. Yes, so they I, hear the Holy Spirit, they hear their heart, and they trust themselves again. Yes, and so yeah. if people bring up feedback or let's try this instead, or you know what I mean, mm-hmm. there's always a space to say your voice is valued and heard. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and so this whole deep dive into a super ugly cult is also eye-opening in the fact of on miniature levels that there's just, there's cults everywhere yeah. and there's people looking for power everywhere. And, you know, you've got to be extremely mindful of what you're allowing it. I mean, even um, having a conversation this morning, even about just media in general. And what that is implanting in our mind and the cult atmosphere it's creating and the beliefs and the brainwashing. Yeah. I remember in an interview 
about the ISBP. Is that what it is? Um, IBLP. IBLP, so International Biblical. This was the Shiny Happy People Mm -hmm. uh, documentary. They said it turns, IBLP turns every father into a cult leader. Mm. Because again, it's it's about the power. Mm -hmm. And you want to please the person who has the power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's people have taken such extreme views on things. I don't know. I it blows my mind. And I, you know, thinking about the, these victims up in New York going through what they're going and then seeing so many people at lower levels almost worshiping this guy as if he's yeah. the greatest thing. And it really I mean, that's part of messing with your mind. And it was for me, too. Everybody saw this coach as incredible. and you know, that adds to the grooming process. I think part of grooming is the fact that they groom everybody around you as much as they groom you. Yeah. Yeah. And they, what what I found is that Keith, Keith didn't brag on himself. He just had everybody else about around him brag on him. And then if you didn't, then you would get in trouble. So for example, one of the guys, his name is Mark. He was a filmmaker. He spent 10 to 12 years in this organization and he was part of the people that brought it down. Mm. He did a TED talk and he mentioned Keith in the TED talk because if he didn't, he would get in trouble. Oh, holy cow. So he didn't necessarily say I'm awesome, but if you don't say I'm awesome, then how come you're disrespecting the group? And what is it about you? that can't give credit where credit is due. Wow. Wow. So tell me more of what this stirs up for you or what it brings to, what connections can you make with it? Um, so I was just thinking of one a minute ago. And then when you explained that, I lost what I was thinking. I should have written it down. Oh, shoot. Yes. Have your pen ready. <laughs> have my pen ready. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't, I gotta try to remember it. It it's I don't know. I lost it. Sorry. Well, the other thing I wanted to bring up, and the reason why I think this organization got taken down because they are adults, and that's so hard. It's tricky to prove. Mm-hmm. Brainwashing is tricky to prove, and there's still people who believe in him. And are like, I chose to do this. I chose to be a part of this organization. I chose to be empowered in this way and be a part of this, you know, female empowerment where you tell me what to do all the time. But the reason why this got taken down is because everything was videotaped. Right. You have to have so much proof, especially when it comes to brainwashing and stuff like that. I mean, I've dealt with that in my own situations. and you know, part of what stinks. And, and I, I learned this when I was even talking with the police, they, they said, oftentimes people of this caliber, they will do such awful, crazy things to you that when you do finally share the truth, you're the one that looks crazy. And I mean, so speaking out on this stuff, uh, speak, I'm, I've been brainwashed. Oh, okay. Well, and that was the thing. How does this girl go to the police and say, I stayed in a room for two years? Was it locked? No. no. <laughs> what can they do with that? 
Right. And the judgment gets passed on you. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that took this guy down was the videotapes, the audio tapes, and all the things that they could eventually um, bring to the police and say, this is the whole story. Yeah. You know, I I can't remember the exact name of the person who uh, was an influential Christian pastor, I believe. Um, but a woman came out probably 20, 25 years ago about him sexually abusing her. Um, and she was, her life was ruined. Nobody believed her. They, they, she had to move. She felt unsafe. Everybody was so angry at her for trying to take down such a good Christian man. Um, I mean, literally her life was ruined for coming forward. And 20 years later, some more started to come forward and they found out it all was true. And, but here, this, this victim, you know, who, who had tried to use her voice, her life was never the same, not only because of the abuse, but because of the response of people who saw this person only as a sheep because of what they experienced with the person. And so, I don't know, it kind of makes me think of that situation as well. Yeah. Uh, I hope that she felt vindicated after all of those. I hope so too. More of the allegations came out. So part of the story as well is that he had some people, you know, 10 years prior leave. Mm. And because they started seeing things that weren't right. And he sued them and took them to court and dragged things out for years and years and years and years and years. So those who were in the organization knew that if they stepped out of line, they could possibly be sued. And that keeps you living in fear as well. So when they were secretly documenting all, some of it was secretly documenting, some of it was, they all knew they were being recorded all the time because they were in these sessions or whatever. But once they finally went to the police and the story broke through the, through the news, these older victims hopped on board too and gave all of their story, which Uh really... I think supported them in their healing process as well. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just, it's, I lost my thought again. (laughs) Sorry. This is a heavy, there's a lot to this. That's really heavy. The whole master thing, the whole branding thing, the whole, uh, all of it. And and the way that they brainwash you is heavy. So my mind keeps jumping from different things. So I apologize. My speech is not flowing. No, you're fine. I think the final thing that I wanted to bring up. So number one, if you tape, if you have any suspicions, videotape it or audio tape it or keep notes because that at the end of the day was super helpful for this case. Um, the other thing was, I think one of the signs of there, there's two signs that I would say are red flags um, for not only a perpetrator, but for a culty organization. And I would say, Cult E is like a spectrum, right? You can have a toxic organization and then you can have like a cult. So it's like a healthy organization and then and then there's a spectrum. One is, as I mentioned, if you leave, you're ostracized, you're shunned, you're not talked to, you're ousted, that kind of thing. And of course, if we're not have the same goals anymore, like you may not talk to people as much as you did before and think mm-hmm. of leaving a job. You're not necessarily ousted, but you know, you're just not on the on the same path. That's different than being actively shunned. 
especially by people that you love, including your friends and family. The other thing is this gaslighting and, and brainwashing aspect that puts the external and the group over the individual. And I will be forever standing on my hill of when individuals are living their dream life, it collectively impacts everybody else. But if we all suffer and push down our joys and our gifts and these things, you know what I mean? Like if we snuff out our spark for the betterment of the group, then you just have a bunch of zombies and people that aren't truly living their their own, you know, as you he said, as soon as you snap, they snapped out of it, they saw everything differently. So yeah, the external locus of control is the thing there. Go ahead. It, it well, it reminds me a little bit of whenever you have a situation of incest. Yeah. And say you have an older brother who's doing things to you as a younger sister or whatever. Um, and the mentality of power that he has, oftentimes the victim will feel like the family is probably going to and almost have a quote response, not believe, not want to hush it, want to push it all aside. And I think that comes from the power that the individual, the the man, the boy holds. Um, and sometimes we're afraid that there's going to be a cult response and maybe there isn't. Maybe they really will believe you. Um, but that fear that he not only has had power over you, but he's got power over other people, I think keeps a lot of people silent. Yeah. The external locus of control is a just another warning sign, I think. And at the end of the day, when you so hold on, there was something I was gonna add here. Um Oh, this is what I was going to say. See, I should have written that down too. Okay, good. I feel better. <laughs> the people who got sucked into this cult were not stupid people. They were not um they were not needy people. They were not you know, necessarily like suffering and you know, they weren't they wanted growth they were looking to better their careers and they wanted a place to belong and they were like looking for this thing that felt like we can all do it together mm-hmm. and so they now and we can post a bunch of the links if you guys are interested in the rabbit hole I <laughs> down they now have so much shame And so much remorse and guilt, especially for the ones that were recruiting people in, not knowing what was happening down the line or not having the eyes to see it. And that was one of the things that they consistently said is like, we are not dumb people. This can happen to anybody, especially when the perpetrator or the, um, you know, the psychopath gets into your emotions and, and it grabs a hold of that. And so for anybody who's experienced gaslighting or black uh, or brainwashing or anything like that, just, just know that doesn't say anything about you because we're human and we desire connection and community and growth. And we want to like, 
to be connected to people and they can trick us. We want to assume the best in people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's just a reminder to have our eyes opened um, to these red flags, but also know that it's not your fault if you get caught up in something like this. I mean, we take responsibility where we need to, right? But then also we're human. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That was deep stuff. What else should we talk about? What other cults can we like deep dive? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you have some cult like (laughs) interests in the, in the comments, uh, I would love to research them and then I can share the highlight reel with Rachel, the bits and pieces to see if there's things that uh, she can, uh, conversation she can add or things she can add to the conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm always thankful to see anything like that taken down and justice served. I'm so glad that he was dumb enough to record everything. Yeah, it's huge. And I'm super surprised, like usually with something like this, it doesn't even matter that you have it recorded because they have a connection somewhere that's going to shut it all down. And so I'm thankful that didn't happen either. Well, another interesting information about this case is that the financiers were the the Brothmans. The Brothmans are like liquor heirs, like billionaires, multimillionaires, and they were the financiers for a lot of this stuff. So they were connected to this huge cash flow of money. Now, part of the story is that the Brofman's dad saw what was happening and was like, you guys are turning crazy to her, his girls who were the ones that were involved, you know, twenties, thirties. And he from like got a Forbes article and he was trying on from, from what it sounded like he was trying to do things to give them a bad name um, but yeah, they were connected to deep pockets, which made everybody just even more nervous and scared. Yeah. I mean, and if you think about it, 1998 is when it started. So, I mean, that's a long time and that's a lot of victims. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm so glad that it, it turned out the way it did. Yeah. The other thing that they talked about was the fact that because of religious freedom, which again, we appreciate and agree with. Right. But because of that, there's like a whole sector of, well, this is this is the part, not Nexium necessarily, but you think of the FLDS or the IBLP, like this is the part of this is their religion, polygamy. And then this is their religion. This is how it goes. And so a lot of things are just swept under the rug under the Religious Freedom Act. You know what I mean? Like under that gaze, it's just really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And then throw in that they're consenting adults. It's, right. it, it's not a choice if they don't have any other options. Right. That's right. If, if the other option is pain and abuse and shunning, like the, then it's not a choice. Right. Well, I hope that you guys thought this was an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the more that we can bring the, the the culty, the brainwashing, the gaslighting, the grooming, all these things that happen, whether it's in a home or it's on a, you know, in an organization like that, it's the more we can be equipped 
to listen to ourselves, to check into our own intuition and build that connection, the better we'll all be. Yeah. I mean, you wish that you or hope that you would spot it a mile away, but these guys are good. They're so good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's scary to think that before he started this, he had another MLM program or group or whatever. And like there, it fell apart. You just did it again. Yeah. Yeah. Just did it again. Just a sad bit. Yes. With that being said, you guys, um, (laughs) what would you say as an end, Rachel, what can we all do to connect with our, the Holy spirit and listen to our intuition versus the external? Yeah. Well, as always, knowledge is power um, and it can be overwhelming. Like some of this is a bit overwhelming to know, but knowledge is power and what you don't know, you can't protect yourself from. Um, But yeah, always listening to the Holy Spirit and follow those nudges. And I think understanding and learning about how it works gives grace to victims too. Oh, yes, which is needed because it's not their fault. Yeah. All right, I'll end with an I declare so we can whew, lift the mood. Okay. Um, I declare I will speak positive words of faith and victory over myself, my family, and my future. I do not use my words to describe the situation. I use my words to change the situation. I call in favor, good breaks, healing, and restoration. I do not talk about to God about how big my problems are. I talk to my problems about how big my God is. This Amen is my declaration. And this is my declaration for you. Have an awesome week, you guys. If you have any other requests for like cults we can deep dive in, put them in the comments below or any thoughts you have about grooming, gaslighting, all of that, put them in the thoughts below. Be sure to subscribe, like, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this powerful episode of Stop Suffering in Silence. If you are interested in booking Rachel to speak at your school, your church, or on your podcast, then please email openblindeyes at protonmail.com. If you are interested in sponsoring a survivor on their healing journey and would like to donate to Stop Sis, then please check out the link in the description box or show notes below, or you can email stopsis at protonmail.com. And finally, if you are currently suffering in silence or you know somebody who is, whether they're dealing with a current trauma or one from the past, then we will always recommend that you reach out to your local resources and find a counselor that you can trust because nobody is meant to suffer alone. Have an amazing week and thank you for being here.